0: Good to see Sister Suzanne in church with us today. She has been through quite a journey. Exodus 2 and 10. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. (coughs) And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow and he said who made thee a prince and a judge over us intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the egyptian and moses feared and said surely surely this thing is known lord i ask you to bless your word today i ask you to touch every heart and help us learn and glean and be encouraged in jesus name and everybody said amen You may be seated. That cap was loose. I hope that was just the water supplier being kind and hope it wasn't used. If it is, (coughs) maybe we'll be okay. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and uh, happy Thanksgiving a lot of folks are still Thanksgiving, traveling and all that. And I hope your holidays were happy. We have two new babies coming to the church. And how many would like to know who's expecting? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's two of our married couples. And so there you go. But it's great news. They called me and told me, and that's what I that's what I want to hear. More beautiful. Bouncing babies. We'll be going to Overland Park, Kansas this week for a funeral. Uh, Jonathan Haney, our Jonathan Nicky, Jonathan's our son-in-law. His father passed away. And uh, good man, good, good man. He worked hard to build the church there. He and his wife both. Worked a full-time job besides pastoring for years and years, and <clears throat> he did one of the one of the most amazing things that I've ever seen or heard. He he laid a foundation for that church, and I'm not talking about concrete foundation. He dug a basement when it was concreted, which is common in Kansas. It's uh, tornado country, and laid a brick wall, brick chain wall got the foundation laid, and then bought a church building miles away, moved it, set it precisely down on that foundation. And to see it, you would think it had been built in place. An amazing, amazing, hardworking man, lived in pain most of his life, fell off of a horse when he was 16 years old, broke his back, and in those days... Uh, I don't know if there was a lot the doctors could have done, but they didn't even take him to the doctor. He just kind of, and so it, he had a life of pain. And you know, circumstances, when you think it couldn't get any worse. When Jonathan arrived home, he found out his father had died. When he walked in the house, a major water line burst in the house. And flooded the whole basement where they were living, not really what you want to happen. I appreciate brother Brother Bowie this morning. How many of you got to hear him hear him teach excellent and i I was not amazed, but I was pleased and so he said a lot of things that I had to strike out that I was going to say, so thank you very much. No, I I appreciate it. The Lord is evidently trying to reach someone or trying to get your attention or trying to encourage you. The book of Exodus says that Pharaoh's daughter called his name Moses because she drew him out of the water. Very next verse 11. And when he was grown, Moses at this time was about 40 years old. He's 40, 40 years old. And uh, there's a lot of speculation about young men being grown at 40. Some of them are not grown at 60. <clears throat> but he went out and he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew. And so what is water? And so he killed him. He, just, he murdered him. Moses? Mm. He killed him. And then he looked this way and that way before he killed him. Looked this way and that way. He should have looked that way and that way. He should have looked all around and walked back in the palace. He looked both ways, killed him, and hid him in the sand. Verse 13 says, when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to them that did the wrong, why smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made you a prince and a king over us? A prince and a judge over us, intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. He was 40 years old, and he lived a life as the son of Pharaoh's daughter of protected privilege. He went to the best schools. He drove the best chariots. He had the nicest clothes. He was the cool kid. You know what he learned during his 40 years in the palace? Absolutely nothing. One of my college professors said one time, there are no absolute statements, including this one. He learned nothing about practical life. How many of you remember when you took Algebra in high school. You couldn't graduate without it. Calculus. Trigonometry. I don't know how long I studied algorithms. As soon as I got out of school, I have never met an algorithm. I've never had occasion to use algebra. Not a set nor a subset in sight. I've worked several places in my life. I've had a Uh, an adventurous life I worked for St. Joseph Paper Company, I worked for Midland Box Factory I worked for deposit I mean not deposit guarantee but uh, what was that banking it was deposit guarantee okay, deposit guarantee National Bank, you said you did, yeah I did I worked in the operations center I worked for Jackson Daily News and the Ledger I said, been I have. I've done, done all kinds of stuff. I framed houses in Houston, Texas with a man named Deason. I worked for United Parcel Service. done all kinds of stuff. I've never had one job interview where they said to me, now, we'll hire you if you can tell us this. If a train leaves Cincinnati, Ohio at 7.50 a.m., an average is 55 miles an hour. What time will it reach its destination, 490 miles away? And what color uniform will the conductor be wearing? That has never happened. That's what Moses learned in his first 40 years, living a life of privilege and education. He probably studied astrology. You know how much that was going to help him. Zero. But when he walked outside the palace and he killed that man, he immediately learned a couple of things. Number one, it doesn't matter who you are. If you murder somebody, it's not going to end well. A few few days ago, we were at Ken and Amy's and Annie, she has a favorite little rabbit that she calls bun bun and I'm pretty sure I've already told this no I don't have Alzheimer's I just want to tell you again she loves bun bun so I got to look around a minute bun bun was gone I looked over there some kind of glass little container with a little door and bun bun was in there she put him in there I said what bun bun doing in there she smiles She said bun bun is in jail I'm thankful today that we're not in jail. And I trust that Bun-Bun has been put on out on parole or probation. He's not in jail either. But Moses learned that murder has consequences. He also learned it doesn't matter if you look this way and you look that way before you do something terrible Somebody's watching you. He he learns you can't you can't do wrong and get by. He also learned that the ones that you're trying to help <laughs> will turn on you in a heartbeat. And they looked and said, "Are you gonna kill me like you killed the Egyptian?" This past week, I, I saw this on. <laughs> Well, Drudge reported, right, Bart, there was a missionary, I believe, trying to go to a remote island in India. I mean, is that, is that, what you tell me about that? You're not going to get on board. Are afraid I'm going to say, <laughs> She's like, okay, now, I kind of know, but you might not be in the right country. Okay. I think a remote island in India, a, a very primitive people who are protected by the government, you can't, you can't contact, you can't fool with them. And oh, by the way, They don't like outsiders. This missionary, I'm sure with an honest heart, he actually illegally approached the people the first time, and I think he had some kind of little rubber craft or boat, and they shot arrows at him until he sunk the boat. That would have ended my Sunday school drive right then. I don't think you can minister to people while they're shooting arrows at you. But he had—he was determined. He went back again. This time, they shot him with the arrows, and he—and he, and he paid—and he did pay the price. But I can tell you, I learned something from right, right there. I'm not going to be preaching to anybody shooting arrows at me. I'm just going to say, hmm, I don't think I can help you. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Verse 16 says the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water, filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses, everybody say, but Moses, stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Let me paraphrase what happened. All these mean old shepherds come up there and ran the girls off. And Moses stood up and said, hold on. You're going to let them water their stuff right now or we're going to have a problem. I guess he was thinking, I've already had to leave town one time. I guess I can leave town again. I heard a very gruff old, old guy tell, he told a young man that was about to date his daughter for the first time and he was a very gruff old man. And I suppose trying to convey to this young man that he wanted him to treat his daughter with respect, he could have said that, but instead, this is what he said. I've been to jail, boy. I ain't scared to go back. And the boy got the, and the, boy got the message. Maybe that's what Moses was, I, what he was very aggressive. Hey! To treat them like that. Now, those girls were impressed. Verse 19, they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, drew water for us, watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, Where is he? Why'd you leave him? Call him. we got to get you all a husband. Call him. Didn't say that. I had a pastor send me a text message yesterday, and he's looking for a husband for his daughter. So if you're interested, I'll... I'll Pass that on, and so that's not that's not a bad plan. That's how we found Amy. How do you think we got her? I'll call some preacher friends. Hey, you got any girls looking for? So, and and there, there you go. So that's how we got our new grandbaby that puts her rabbit in jail. And Moses was content to dwell with a man. And he gave Moses, Zipporah, his daughter. She bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I've been a stranger in a strange land. And It came to pass in a process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. God heard their groaning. Verse 25, God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Verse, I'm sorry, we're in a different chapter. We're going to the next chapter. That would be, I realize that that would be, uh, I know, I know. It'd be Exodus chapter three and verse one. Uh. You know that little thingy that you hit on the computer that you save the changes? I printed it out for Save the Changes. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. Verse five, the Lord said, draw not hither, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Verse seven, the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. Skipping to verse 10. Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, now this is, this is after another 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert. He had 40 years in the palace. Now this is after he has been 40 years in the desert with a bunch of sheep. Can you imagine going from being Pharaoh's daughter's son? Now you're a shepherd. You you spent forty years with your flock, and all they ever say is, "Be, be, be." Come now therefore and I will send unto thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? You you know what Moses learned from the burning bush? He didn't learn anything. Well, he learned to take his shoes off. He learned that God can burn a bush and it never burns up. He learned that God is amazingly powerful. You don't really learn from miracles. You get direction. You get direction and you get orders. And the Lord can speak to you and he's spoken to somebody. You're at church today. You're here because he wanted you to be because he wanted you to hear something. He wants you to get some direction. But you don't really learn anything from miracles. I've seen God work amazing miracles of healing. Little family used to sit right back here and they had a, had, a, had a baby, had a baby, little girl, and the doctor said, she has water on her brain, she cannot live. And this church family anointed that baby with oil and pray, and God instantly healed the baby and the doctor said, don't know what happened, She did yesterday, but now she's fine. Let me tell you something. If I took my baby to a church, I don't care if they all look like, not like you want them to look, and God killed my baby, I'd be a member of that church till Jesus returned for his church. I wouldn't care if the preacher stuttered worse than Moses did. After that miraculous healing, that little family got offended at a at a preacher in the church and left. Never told me goodbye. Never even told me I'd leave it. Got mad and left. Miracles don't really change you. I've seen terrible tragedies in family, and I preach funerals right here. I've seen people die under horrible circumstances. (laughs) Everybody gets under conviction for about two weeks. And I've preached funerals, and I said, Well, here we are again. A young man had died unterribly, and I said, It's good to see all of you again. I'll see you next time somebody dies. But it ought not be that way. Miracles don't change you, they should. They get your attention, and they, and they can help you change direction, and they can give you a message. The gospel's the only thing that really will change you. And Moses said, who am I? Oh, wait a minute, dude. What happened to the princess's son? Uh, that was 80 years ago. I've been talking to a bunch of sheep, and God's kind of, he has kind of calmed me down. So now he's 80 years old. Now he goes back to Egypt. And you say, well, Brother Grant, if, I, if I've got to go through this, if I've got to go through 40 years preparation of preparation and talking to a bunch of sheep who all look the same pretty much, they all act the same pretty much, they all say the same thing. Man, God must be preparing me for something great and he is he must be preparing me for great things yeah he's preparing you for another 40 years in another desert <laughs> with another bunch of sheep who are people that you'll wish to God they couldn't talk you wish all I could say was bad. you mean I've gone through all this to go through some more that is the news that I bring God didn't call us to be kings and queens. He called us to be servants and to do what he wants us to do. Moses goes back to Egypt and he says, Let my people go. Oh, yeah? Who says? I am that I am, says. Well, it didn't go down too well. So then you have a a lot of miraculous things that happen. The blood turns to water. You got frogs everywhere, frogs in your bed, frogs in the shower, frogs everywhere. I don't know why it made me think of this, but Sister Grant and I love to exchange ideas and, and bits of information. And we'll be sitting there drinking coffee in the morning and she'll ask me something really noteworthy. And I say, I don't know. And then she tells me, and Then it's my turn. I get to tell her what I want to tell her, and she says Oh, brother. You ever get the eye roll? Oh, brother. And here was something I read the other day. A settler in the 1800s in Australia took two dozen rabbits to turn them loose so they could multiply. They'd have rabbits to hunt. They'd have rabbits to eat. It'd be rabbits here, rabbits there, rabbits everywhere. In just a few years, in just a few years, and don't get on your smartphone and look this up because I could be wrong. I could be off a billion or two, okay? But the point is there were nearly nine billion rabbits in Australia. I mean, it sounds good to me, but that's rabbits everywhere. They hunted them. They trapped them. They sold them. They cooked them. They ate them. And eventually, scientists introduced a virus to kill them. So now they're down about two or three billion. Well, Egypt had nine billion frogs. Frogs everywhere. The death angel came through the land. But all of that didn't prepare Moses for what he was going to go through. It helped him get out of Egypt, but it didn't prepare him. Exodus 15 and 22 says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of shore, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water, and when they came to Marath, they could not drink the waters of Marath, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marath. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? That's only three verses. The first one says, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. How'd they get through the Red Sea? God parted the water. They walked through with walls of water. Brother Grant, you really believe that? I absolutely believe it. I believe they walked through on dry ground. I believe it was a wall of water. I believe a hammerhead shark was wiggling his nose and saying, hey, what's up? Maybe just say that, maybe he said what it was. Maybe he said, What's going on? And a big old fish come by, just a big old whale come by. They crossed on dry ground and the waters came together and drowned the Egyptians. And they're all singing and dancing and beating it, Whoa! whoa, whoa. And two verses later. They murmured against Moses and said, We don't have any water. Well, let me see. You would think, you would think they would remember crossing, but I understand. People are just people. And he cried unto the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree. He cast it in the waters. The waters were sweet. Now here's what Numbers, Numbers 12 and 1 says. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Miriam was Moses' sister, I do believe. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken by only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. They got mad because of who he married. You got any kin folks marry somebody that you don't particularly care for? I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Because we all do. Oh, Brother Grant, I love them, I know, but you love some of them more than you do the others. Oh, but I don't mind being around them. Yeah, well, how come you only want to see them once a year? I have a sister-in-law, which will not be named at this time that when I was younger, someone suggested going to see her. And I said, you know, I only have so many days to live. Why would I waste one of them going? And so that didn't go well. And I have since repented. And I have gone to see her, and I have I have glued my face into a grin till we get gone. We get along a lot better than we than we used to. <laughs> got mad because they married somebody. They married them. They ain't none of your business. Other than your and so anyway. Got mad. Got mad at the miracle man. This is a dude that brought you out of Egypt. Hey, he's the one make frogs. He can put frogs in your pocket if he wants to. They got mad. And here's what they said. Here's what they said. Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Look at verse (laughs) 3. Look at verse 3. And what was Moses' reaction? Now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Are we still talking about Moses, M-O-S-E-S? Because the Moses that I just told you about walked out of the palace, saw somebody being abused, and killed him and hit him. And then a bunch of shepherds were treating some girl, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh no. How in the world don't you think that some of you are thinking, is that new wife he married? No. She showed him. No. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are on, upon the face of the earth. Let me tell you something about Moses being meek. He might not have been meek when he was in the palace. <laughs> but after 40 years in the desert with those sheep, And 40 more years wandering in the wilderness? He didn't want to kill anybody anymore. He didn't want to fight anybody anymore. This was after the desert experience. Let me jump to Joseph. I won't read the scriptures. Just give me a little, let me give you a little timeline of Joseph's life. Joseph The Bible says that his daddy loved him because he was a son of his youth. He gave him a coat of many colors. He was a dreamer. He not only loved to dream, he loved to tell you about his dreams. He would tell you how he saw your sheaves, his older brothers, bowing down to his sheaves. Only a 16 or 17 year old would do that. I've had young men to come to me in this church years years down through the years and say, Brother Grant, I feel a call to preach. Don't tell anybody. That's between me and you. Don't you tell us all. Why? Because you're still a kid and you're going to do foolish things. And I don't want the church judging you. And I'll tend to you. And from now on, I got my eyes on you. It couldn't wait till, hey, I had a dream. <laughs> I'm going to be your boss one day. How do you like that? Daddy loved him. But that didn't teach him anything. (laughs) Me color, me color. All that coat of many colors did was make him a target. And one day he went to visit his brothers, and they said, there comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. And, And one brother, I think it was Reuben, said, oh, let's don't kill him. So they put him in a pit. That pit. Joseph more good than he, anything ever happened to him in his daddy's house. He said, It's mean. Uh, it is mean. But let me tell you something. Your blessings in life is not what makes you, it's your, it's your struggles. I don't, I don't like struggles. I like ice cream. I do too. Evidently, I do too. They sent daddy a message. An animal killed him. Sent him home a bloody coat of torn apart. And the Bible says that a band of Ishmaelites came by and one of them said, well, let's don't kill him, let's sell him. Well, he'd get some money off his ignorant hide. They sold him into slavery. He became a household slave. Historians say for, for many years. Then he was accused by Potiphar's wife, of trying to chase her around the mulberry bush. You don't know what the mulberry bush is? Ask somebody when you get home. I'm sure there's a mulberry bush at your house somewhere. So, but he was innocent. And the Bible says he ran. So, oh, I ain't doing that. Oh, oh, no, ma'am, I ain't doing that. Oh, run. She grabbed his coat. Not of many colors. The coat's got that boy in trouble. Grabbed his coat. He put put him in jail He was in jail You know what happened With the butler and the baker (laughs) Had a dream about him He interpreted the dreams He told one of them I got some good news and I got some bad news The good news I know what the dream is The bad news is you're going to get hanged You're going to die And he told the other one you're going to prosper Don't forget me Guess what he was forgotten Two more years in prison Everything that happened to him prepared him for what God wanted him to do. Do not make the mistake of thinking that God is overly protective. (laughs) Oh, he loves you, and he has his hand on you, but don't think that he's overly protective. My heavenly father reminds me in some ways of my earthly father. My dad's name was Willard Grant. He had a way of teaching young men. He would tell you one time. Then he'd let you find out on your own. When I was just a lad, I was trying to pet a dog. That dog was growling. He said, son, that dog will bite you. <laughs> Mama's a woo, woo. He said, I don't her. And I reached out there, and that dog bit me. And I had the most terrible look on my face. <laughs> he said, I told you that dog would bite you. And I turned around and bit that dog. Maybe I shouldn't disclose that, but when that dog left, he was one hollering and screaming then. had to spit out some dog hair. And that's a little unusual, I know, but my point was, Daddy would tell you And then he'd let you find out. God is not not overly protective. He'll let you find out some stuff. And Joseph learned in prison. And it prepared him to save the very people who betrayed him. (laughs) You mean I've been through all of this to help save them? Yes, because God loves them. You mean, you mean that it's possible that I have a neighbor who has a dog that gets in my garbage every week? It is possible, That the Lord has put me in contact with them so I can help them and their stinking garbage-eating dog? Yeah. Very possible. In fact, it's very likely. This Christian journey. And Brother Twan, I agree. We need to volunteer. And we need to get involved. And the Lord will bring us where he needs us to be. You know what happens? You know what happens when you exercise. Yeah, get big muscles like Popeye. Well, not all at once, not overnight. But here's what happens when you exercise. When you pick up some weights and you're doing like this, you place a lot of stress on your muscles, which causes them to develop very small, microscopic tears in the tissue. That's why you're sore the next day or two or three. So, ooh, man, I'm, I'm kind of sore. You actually tore the tissue and the muscles. And it's because of the micro tears in your muscles, is why you're so sore. When your muscles are damaged, your body recruits amino acids. They're called the building blocks of proteins to come and repair the damaged muscles. Only our bodies, because of God's great knowledge and wisdom, our bodies' systems are so smart, they know that when they repair the muscle damage, they go ahead and make it a little bigger and a little stronger because they're anticipating you're going to do it again. It is the resistance and the struggle that makes you stronger, the thing thing that you hate and you don't want to happen is what brings you closer to God and makes you the tool that He, (laughs) he wants you to be. It's the overcoming that makes you stronger and helps you to learn to trust him. It can be a lot of different things in life. It can be sick children. If you've never had a really sick child, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, it's something you never forget. Rache was a little girl, two or three years old, violently, violently sick, high fever. And we had prayed and everybody had prayed. And I remember our pastor coming to our house And you remember that, honey? Holding her as a little baby girl and bathing her skin with alcohol and water to try to bring the fever down. God healed her. She got better. But I'm going to tell you something. That bonded me to him. And it was something I never, ever, ever got over. Because I knew he loved us, and he loved her. That's one thing I appreciate about this church. We love each other's children. I love yours, you love mine. I've seen Ken to come to this church many years. And ladies in this church, saints in this church, hug him, kiss him on top of his old bald head. But he just cry. <laughs> but he loves you. He knows you love him. And I love your youngins. You might go through it losing a job. We've got a couple men in church right now that are looking for a job. You can have personal health problems, and it will try your faith. You can have problems with friends. One of the most painful things that I ever saw was the last time that I saw a dear friend, Wayne Dickerson. My wife reminded me of this yesterday. Wayne was one of the funniest, most intelligent, cheerful, great preacher. And the last time that I saw him was at a party being held in his honor, and he didn't know who we were, and he didn't know why everybody was there. He was in the last stages and grip of Alzheimer's. When your loved ones are going through terrible things, depression, I, I used to not believe depression was real. <laughs> I used to say things like this. I'll just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get with it. And I did, but I still was still depressed. Said, are you depressed now? Oh, no, I'm doing good. This <laughs> was many years ago. I went, I went through a terrible, terrible time of, I, I, I didn't know if anybody loved me. I didn't know if Sister Grant loved me. And she does. She's a sweetie pie. I felt so sorry for her in Shamrock, Texas, because I've been hunting two or three days, and I look like somebody from Skid Row. But she still looked like the little lady she is. So we went to a restaurant. <laughs> I saw somebody looking. I know what they were thinking. They're how did that classy lady wind up with that bum? I could see their faith. So, I was a smooth talker. That's why. <laughs> and I threatened all the other boys. So, it was kind of like Moses. I found myself in such a place. I didn't think my mother loved me. And that's kind of like a law, they, they have to love you. It got so bad that I called Brother Kraft one night, two o'clock in the morning. Hello? I said, aren't you sleeping? Why aren't you sleeping? He said, oh, I can't sleep. I said, Brother Kraft, do you love me? <laughs> he said, what? I said, do you love me? He said, I love you more than you have any idea. And it healed me. It healed me somehow because I I just felt, felt like nobody loved you. Don't raise your hand. Oh, yeah, I feel that way right now. I'm pretty sure you don't love me. Yes, I do. And it's just a feeling. Loneliness is just a feeling. You can worry about all things. You worry about the future. If you listen to the news, you worry about the future. You think we're all going to die and, and whatever and before that? Everything's so, so drama-filled. You can worry about school. You worry about your kids in school. You ever worry about your kids in school? Aiden was in kindergarten. He got, he got suspended in kindergarten. Most kids can make it through kindergarten. Wasn't it in kindergarten? Yeah. I said, son. If you can't make it through kindergarten, your educational process is going to be long and hard. Why do you do like you do? He said, Papa, my brain just tells me to do stuff. I said, the next time your brain tells you to do something, your rear end needs to tell your brain this ain't a good idea. Because one of us is going to pay the price. Because when you do it, they're going to beat me. But your children, your grandchildren, wars of the future, finances. But you know what? All of this, all of this, and the overcoming, and the stroke, it makes you stronger. And like Moses, it'll help you to learn to trust him. Let's stand together. One of Sister Grant's greatest Somebody come play. We're going to come pray here in a minute. So I'm going to play some sweet music. Somebody here needs to talk to the Lord this morning. One of her greatest frustrations, she would ask me, especially in the last 10, 20 years, well, what are we going to do about it? What are we, just, what are we going to And I would smile and say, we'll do something. That's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted to hear, this is what we're going to do and this is when we're going to do it and this is how we're going to do it. But the truth is, the older I get, I've had to lean on the Lord. I've had to trust the Lord. And so instead of proclaiming what I'm going to do, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go talk to the Lord about it. And he's taught me that he has the answer. He has the answer for every disease He has all the answers and questions about cancer. About losing loved ones. About financial difficulty. When I was a child, I had terrible nightmares. (laughs) And my dad, my dad who was a gruff, rough man. I was so troubled, he looked at me. He said, son, let me tell you what to do. Take your Bible and put it under your pillow. You won't have any more bad dreams. And my bad dreams stopped. You said, well, how in the world... Could a man who your, his first advice to you when I was about nine years old I had a problem with an older boy in the neighborhood. This is the man who lived in Kansas City, Kansas who said, son if they're bigger than you and there's no way out here's what you do. Get a Coke bottle, break it over his head. Pick up a stick. He gave me, Brother Myers, this is terrible. He gave me a bar of lead to put in my hand. You take that little bar of lead and your little nine-year-old fist suddenly a lot heavier. It makes a bigger impact. Now, this is the man who's saying, son, put your Bible under your pillow. How can you reconcile that? Here's all I can tell you. The bar lid and the Coke bottle was before he knew Jesus. It's before he met the Lord. Because after you meet Jesus and after he melts your heart and fills you with his spirit, you'll be a different person. And you see things differently. And you might not be the meekest man on earth. But you'll be a lot more like Jesus than you were. Amen. As they sing, let me invite you to come pray today. Let's come talk to the Lord. I believe there's somebody here that in all this the Lord is directing you and trying to bring you to a better way to live. Lord, we need